why would I want to be with someone that doesn't want to be with me? That is such a mantra. Like, why would I bother putting energy into someone who isn't initially enamored by me? Like, it's a lot, isn't it? Hello and welcome to the first solo episode of It's A Lot with Abby Chatfield. I'm sitting here in my new apartment that I've just moved into that I love. Um, And I'm in a leopard print short and shirt and bralette ensemble of sorts with a red lip, a winged eye and a huge earring on. Drinking a glass of Grenache um, and sitting on my fluffy beanbag. I mean, have I lost it or am I going further towards the light? I can't really decide. I feel like I'm mostly just inspired by Joe Exotic. I'm mostly inspired by my true self and just really leaning to the animal prints because, I mean, I'm simply doing it to him. So in today's episode, we're going to talk about a lot of things, mainly about obviously I can't avoid the coronavirus. I wanted to not speak about it very much, but I feel like it's unavoidable at this late stage. And I don't want to talk about, you know, stats. I don't want to tell you guys again to stay inside, but stay inside. But also I don't want to go on and on about it. Um, I'm kind of honestly at a point, I don't know if you guys are in the same boat here, but I'm at a point now where I cannot take on any more emotional labor um, when it comes to coronavirus. I can't think about what others are doing. All that I can do is stay inside, be responsible, um, call specific people out if they're being a bit naughty. Um, and by a bit naughty, I mean ruining civilization. Um, but I, I can't talk about the stats anymore. I used to, last week when I recorded the intro, I was saying that I was getting up Googling stats, Googling if there's been a vaccine, uh, Googling to see what the curve is like, Googling all these things. And now I'm literally just like, I'm when if something good happens, I will hear. I'll hear. And if something bad happens, I mean, I will also hear. It's something, if something bad happens to me, my immediate family, which I don't think it will because everyone's practicing social distancing, except for my mum, who is a teacher, who is still going to work, but I'm sure she'll be okay. I hope she'll be okay. But the thing I'm really holding out for is good news, right? I don't, I'm not looking for bad news. So once the virus is under control, once restrictions are loosened, which it won't be for ages, they'll get tighter before they're loosened. But once good things happen, I'll find out. And for now I am under the most strict form of self-isolation. I am not leaving my apartment for anything as everyone else is. I work from home anyway. Um, so over the past couple of weeks, my life hasn't really changed anyway, but yeah, I'm going to try to talk about coping mechanisms and you guys sent, sorry. And you guys sent in some questions that were COVID-19 related, but they weren't about like, what do you think's going to happen? Or like, are you okay? Like, which we all are asking ourselves and others. Um, but I just want to stay away from doomsday stuff I want to stay away from end of times apocalypse because 
as long as we all do our part, we will get through it. Um, obviously, it'll come at a cost, a very significant cost. But if we all do our part, we can go through it and we can get to the other side and things will go back to normal. I posted on my Instagram um, last night, sips one, and I said, when do you guys think this will be over? And I got a lot of like January 2021, I got a lot of May, nothing really in between, some September. Um, And I guess the long and short of it is that no one knows. But I got quite a few saying things will never be normal ever again, never. And I posted about this and I just kind of want to reiterate it on this platform. Things will go back to normal. It'll be, I guess, people saying a new kind of normal, the economy will take a long time to recover. We, we probably will hit recession. Um, individuals may not recover and that is horrendous. That is so horrendous. But as a society, we will recover. Um, I touched on this in my Instagram story and I basically said that ugh, like we have an enormous amount of privilege as Australian I'm assuming a lot of people are millennials or um, Gen Ys, um, maybe even, what is it, Gen Z? I don't even know, generations, I don't know. Um, anyway, as young Australian people, we haven't really seen like hardship like this. I said, as privileged white people, a lot of us are white and obviously are women of colour, people of colour that listen to this, but for me, anyway, as a middle-class white woman, this is the strangest thing I've been through. Not the hardest, but it's the strangest. And I think that strangeness and that alien feeling that comes from being in this, it feels like a lockdown state. It feels like we're in 1984. Um, like this dystopian reality in which we are sitting at home and we can't see our friends and we're communicating via technology. And it feels like a bad episode of Black Mirror that wouldn't even get a, like a... 50% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Like it's just a shit plot line and there's ScoMo on the TV every single night and there's all these conflicting messages. Everyone's confused. Everyone's scared. Um, it's strange and it is scary, but it, it will pass, not by itself, not with us just going about our normal lives, but it's going to be under control eventually. And I hope that brings you some sort of peace. I hope it doesn't make me seem like I'm dismissing your fears or your worries because I have anxiety, I have depression, I am scared of these things stirring up. But if you just focus on the fact that it will be over one day, like imagine the day we get the notification from a friend or your mum or your dad being like, hey, like we're fine now, everything's fine. Um, you can go travelling again, you can go away again. Um, it's going to be crazy. It's going to be phenomenal. But there are people that are going through things, war, famine, uh, socio-political disasters, um, genocide, um, all these hideous things, uh, being refugees, trying to escape from countries. And in Australian society, I think as a whole, we kind of brush it off, not as individuals. And I think my audience is quite um, progressive and woke, as they say. So this isn't about you as individuals. Obviously, this is just about society as a whole. But I think we kind of say, for example, Ebola. 
That was like a meme. That was like a joke we all made. But the only reason why everyone's freaking out now is because coronavirus can kill us and it's reached Western nations. It's reached, quote unquote, I hate this term, but developed nations. Um, and we're like, wait, we can be affected by this, but we're wealthy, but we've been privileged our entire lives. The worst thing that happens to me is that I can't go to my hairdresser right now. Um, so I think it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a shock because we haven't been through a world war. We have kind of shied away from acknowledging any involvement we've had in any wars, like the Iraqi war. I think we kind of just say, yeah, we're in the Iraqi war. Cool. Um, but it's nothing to do with our personal lives unless you are, um, you know, someone in the defense force or you are in the defense force yourself or in politics. Um, so I want everyone just to try and remember, take a bit of a, take a bit of, um, stock and remember that it's so cliche, but this too shall pass, whether it's good or it's bad, everything always passes. Um, so I kind of just want everyone not to chill out. No one's being dramatic, but I think we need to kind of remember we have been so privileged our entire lives and now we're having a hard time, but the whole world is on equal par. Um, if you guys want to hear about some stories, I think a podcast that really opened my eyes to this that I've been listening to for about, um, oh, maybe like four years is This American Life. So basically it's um, by a public radio network and Ira Glass is the host and they have different journalists go and tell stories of Americans. Sometimes they're about um, Mexican-Americans, refugees, um, undocumented workers. Um, there's a really, really great one called Abdi the American. Um, and I think you've listened to that. It is one of the most incredible stories I've ever heard in my life. And once I heard that, I've listened to it three or four times now and I've listened to it actually once in lockdown because it is such an incredible episode and it brings things into perspective about if the hardest thing we have to do right now is stay home, then we're doing okay. Um, he's a refugee and he won the lottery to get a visa into America. And you listen to it, please listen to it. Please let me know if you do because it's incredible. And I don't want to as well, whenever I say anything, I think you guys have to realize that whenever I say anything on Instagram or on the podcast, people, some people, not all of you, some people want to take the worst um, perspective of it. They want to be like, well, you, if I say, oh, let's, um, you know, let's keep our coals workers, our doctors, our nurses, our teachers in mind. Someone will be like, well, what about this industry? And I think people need to realize that it's hard to be all encompassing in your language at all times, particularly when you speak all the time. So when I say all we have to do is stay home, I'm well aware people have lost their jobs. Like I'm, I have friends that have lost their jobs. Um, very good friends. I am losing work. We're all losing money. We're all terrified. Um, and it's okay to feel scared. It's okay to feel like shit and to be like, what the fuck am I going to do? How long will this last? How long will I be without a paycheck? Um, how will I be able to maintain my rent? Everything like that is totally fine. But I think if we zoom out a bit and, we realize that 
people go through things like this every day around the world and we're only realizing how hard things can be now because it's affecting us as young white Australians. So that's just a little rant that went for a very long time, but that's just how I see it right now. Um, I understand if you disagree, but this is something that I genuinely feel really strongly about because I'm, um, you know, there are celebrities that are crying in there. $500 million yachts, literally $500 million yachts. There are that Imagine video. Holy shit. That Imagine video did my fucking head in. I literally was like, who thought of this? Who thought this was an okay thing to do? Obviously Gal Gadot, but there is an enormous amount of privilege being shown right now. And as a white woman who has grown up, went to a private school, um, who's very privileged to be able to still work at all right now. I think I need to check myself when I start freaking out and we all need to just check ourselves. So that's that. Might be a bit harsh, but it's the reality, yo. Um, so I've been doing as well, I just want to let you guys know on here, last weekend on Saturday I did a little paint class and I've been really enjoying it. It was really fun. Um, you guys had a lot of great Q&As. I think I'm going to do another one this week or I might do something else like a mukbang or something. Let me know what you think. Um, it was really fun. I got to um, – I, I drank a whole bottle of wine. I was pretty drunk. But I got to talk to you guys. I FaceTimed you guys. I invited you into the live and we did a little Q&A and that was really fun. There were some really gorgeous girls on there. Um, so, yeah, that's that. That's a little bit of housekeeping. Um, so yeah, let's get into the episode. All right. So the first question that I got sent, I'm going to start up with the COVID stuff, get it out of the way, talk about that for a little while, and then we'll talk about some other normal relationship stuff. I am going to answer these questions as though they were asked six months ago and nothing was wrong with the world because if I keep giving caveats in regards to COVID-19, I don't think it helps anyone. And all we're going to do the whole time is say, but stay inside, but don't see anyone, but isolate. So I'm just going to answer them like I would normally. And hopefully the person that's going through these things can use the uh, information later on. All right, cool. So the first email that I have was basically asking about living alone and struggling being by yourself and feeling really isolated and a bit anxious. And I've obviously just started living alone. Um, I have only been in this apartment for a week and I love it. And I think I'm a bit of an anomaly because I love being alone. Like I genuinely <laughs> was saying the other day, if anyone like tried to like be like, do you want to live together? Do you want to isolate together? I'd be like, no, like, not, like, pass, like, pass, like, no, I don't want to live with you. Um, because my entire life is um, talking, 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 talking. And um, I guess it's like pseudo socialism, socialism, oh, socializing, pseudo socialism, <laughs> pseudo socializing in doing my lives and the podcast and talking and you know, I face on my friends and that's enough for me right now. Um, but this person is saying they're struggling with being alone and I get that. Like that, that is really hard. Um, obviously I think it's a bit 
basic to say, just FaceTime your friends, babe, because even FaceTiming my friends the other night, I was like, this is nice, but like it isn't quite hitting the spot. It's like you can't, you and you like you can't fully yawn. <laughs> it's like that, but socially. It's like you're on your phone to your friends and you're like, yeah, like, uh, and you, you talk over each other and it, it breaks up and all these things. So it helps a bit. And I think keep that up as much as you can, but I totally understand I totally get that it's like, well, it doesn't really do anything for me. Um, now, I want you to think about, though, uh, this is a specific question someone asked, but I want you to think about, are you, do you not like being isolated because you're anxious or because you're bored? So, like, they're kind of two different things. They can cut, go together, but, for example, I the thing that I'm uncomfortable with in being isolated is being anxious. Like, I'm very, like, fidgety and I get very like panicky and when I get something in my mind that oh this apartment's too small it's closing in I get I get overwhelmed so if it's your bo- if it's your bit if you're feeling bored um I mean and it's not to do with mental health issue it's not that you're anxious or you're depressed you're just bored you're bored as shit that's fine I think every I think a lot of people are feeling fucking bored and like there's no shame in that like I was listening to a podcast the other day and the host was like you're a fucking moron. I thought it was so funny and kind of true that just, you know, how are you bored? Like you have the whole internet at your disposal, but it's okay to be bored. Like everyone's gone from their routine to doing essentially nothing. Like you can't even really go to Coles unless you need something. So what you need to do is find something you like. Now that seems so basic, but find one topic you like. For example, I genuinely really enjoy this YouTube series um, called Soft White Underbelly. And this guy interviews heroin addicts and meth addicts and people on Skid Row in LA. And I find it so interesting and so informative and he's really gentle and great about it. And it's fantastic. I could watch those for hours and hours and hours. But when you watch those videos, other videos come up on the side and it's an algorithm and you can find out all these things about this thing you might be slightly interested in that you never knew before. Um, Podcasts, get a podcast, clean, organize. Try and use this time to work on yourself even though it's so fucking cliche and I get really annoyed to be honest. Everyone's like, just stay busy, babe. Like it's not that hard. It's not that easy to stay busy but I was talking to ex-boyfriend that I love the other day and I was like oh I just feel like I'm gonna be okay not being bored but I feel like it's wasted time it's not that I'm sitting home being like twiddling my thumbs being like what do I have to do because I'm actually very busy I'm moving house I've got work to do I'm doing the podcast all these things but he was like no I'm looking at it in a way that like this is time to pause and figure out what I want to actually do so he was like I'm gonna be the fittest I've ever been like he's gonna go cycling um and exercise in his house and just be so fit and read books that he's always wanted to read. And I was like, it sounds so basic and so simple, but that's what how I'm trying to see it now because I was also being sooky and I was also being like, me, 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 poor me. It's a waste of a year. I was going to travel this year. Don't do my gap year this year. My, my, privilege, privilege, privilege. And he was just like, babe, like you can literally do anything you want with this time. You can learn about anything you want. If you don't feel like exercising, you don't have to exercise. It'll help mental health, but you don't feel like you don't have to. If you want to learn about, like I said, find a YouTube series, find a podcast, find 
even if you feel like it's dumb that you like it, I've been watching all the Real Housewives on Hey You and it's genuinely given me life. Like it's incredible. So find something that will interest you and keep your mind off things for the moment. I do think though that's probably the extent of remedies that I can think of. I don't think there's really remedy for this specifically. I don't think there's going to be an answer, a catch-all besides FaceTime and keeping busy. Um, it's a little bit disingenuous to just go, babe, just, you know, keep your mind off it. Stay busy, which is what I'm kind of saying. Hence why I want to have a caveat here saying I understand that it's literally like, well, what kind of fucking advice is that? The truth is there isn't any advice for this situation and I'm so sorry, but there isn't advice. What you have to do is remember this is for a greater good and this will be over one day. This will be over. Now, in the Bachelor Mansion, I know this isn't the same thing, but in the Bachelor Mansion, we essentially had the same situation. We were in lockdown. Um, we didn't have any access to the outside world, really. You don't really know what's going on the next day. It's quite anxiety inducing. Um, and it's a really similar feeling to how I feel right now. So I think that's why I'm kind of okay with it all. Um, but what we would do and what I would do was take it day by day and we'd set little goals for the week. Like we'd try and like work out once a day. Not that I would, the girls would, I wouldn't, I was pretty lazy. (laughs) I would eat dumplings in the couch all day, but I would just take it day by day. And what am I doing today? Again, sounds dumb, sounds simple, but it's, it's going to at least break up your days and your weeks, set goals for the week, write them down, tick them off. That satisfying tick bitch. Yes. Now, finally, the the only thing that I can recommend that's an actual tangible thing that will help you is if you are uncomfortable in isolation because of anxiety, not because of boredom, I think the best thing you can do for yourself, if you have money, again, this is an option of um, privilege. If you have money, get a therapist that you can talk to online um, my therapist is doing online sessions now and I think it will help because if you're genuinely this anxious means staying at home, not being crazy, not that it isn't normal, but you need to talk to someone about it um, and don't feel shame about it. All right, the next one. This one says... I love the podcast, love the podcast oh so much. I hate going on about Corona heaps. Honestly, no offense taken if you'd rather not talk about it. I mean, we kind of have to, don't we? I just wonder what your take was on ending friendships with people who aren't properly social distancing and they are aware of what they're doing. I'm kind of getting to the point with people where I'm like, I'm seeing them having parties and out and about and I'm literally, I don't want to borrow you anymore. Am I overreacting or is this valid? Oh my God, no. Okay, so I've actually spoken to... But I've talked about this, I don't know, a friend of a friend in, in DMs. I was like, I feel like this whole coronavirus is really showing people's true colours and it's really creating a clear divide in essentially who whose morals align with mine and whose don't because we can all well and good throughout our lives say that we have the same morals of the people. We can say that we – um agree with our friends when it comes to feminism and, you know, anti-homophobia, anti-racism, we're all very white crap. 
But then when it comes down to someone actually sacrificing something for the greater good and for what their quote unquote beliefs are, this is a time in which it's becoming pretty obvious. So I personally think it's totally valid to at least distance yourself, (laughs) not meant to be like a pun, but at least like distance yourself emotionally from people that aren't practicing social distancing. To be honest, it's selfish. Um, It shows a heightened ego and a bit of narcissism. It shows that they think they're invincible and also it kind of shows they're a hypocrite. If they're your friend and you believe they, you know, are ethical and what's best for everyone around them and they are intentionally not social distancing, particularly if they're breaking the law. Like I think there's some sort of leeway when it comes to, well, you know, the the law right now is that you can, ha- you can have two people hanging out. So if like, their boyfriend's coming over, not great, but, you know, it's fair-ish. It, it's kind of like, okay, I, I'll give you some slack. But if it's like 20 of them having a party, I think maybe voice it to them once and if they act as though you're being crazy, just be like, all right, I'm just going to let you have your time because this is not about you. This isn't about you needing to be around others. I also think that the reason why people are having a hard time social distancing, um, if we take away genuine anxiety and depression and mental health issues is because people need external validation so fucking badly, particularly in our generation. I think that in having no events to go to, we can't upload lit pictures of us in like a new outfit, that new Emanin cartel, that new Beckham Bridge, that new Coco and Lola of sorts. And we need to hang out with people to be like, hey, how I talk to people. And I just feel like anyone who's doing that has low self-esteem or is being selfish. Those are the two options. I don't think anyone who is happy in themselves and who genuinely wants what's best for the world would be doing anything but distancing right now. Um, So I think it's fair. I think it really has shown some people's true colours and people that are making jokes about it and still, you know, having parties and just generally being ridiculous and saying, you know, it would happen to Australia, even though it's clearly happening to Australia. Um, It's just, it's not great, is it? So I feel like you're valid. I think as well, as a general rule, not just in Corona time, if you're feeling as though people people's true colours are showing and their moral compass that they say isn't aligning with their actions, that's a pretty huge red flag friendship-wise or relationship-wise. So, see ya. Okay, so the next question, we're away from coronavirus now. We're done. We're over it. I'm literally, it's all we speak about. It's all we talk about. Um, I feel like I'm exhausted thinking about it, but I do like answering these questions because they're timely. And I think as well, it might hopefully relieve a little bit of pressure on you guys and just, we can't ignore it. Like we can't just sit here and be like, everything's fine. Cause it's not fine. It's not fine at all. So the next question is, I've recently broken up with my boyfriend of almost two years. Could you potentially discuss breakups and maybe the difficulty of being the dumper as opposed to the dumpee? For example, living with the decision, how you go about things, if you want to into them and how to slowly feel okay with dating again. 
Absolutely. So I have been the dumper a few times in my life. I've been the dumpy equally or if not more um, times. But I think breaking up with someone, it, people don't really get as much credit for it, right? And then you don't really feel like you can have as much of a support network in your friends in being so upset. Like, again, I have fantastic friends that I always talk about and I could cry to them about anything and they'd be like, your feelings are valid. But I think sometimes people might feel an internal insecurity or they might have friends that don't support them or they know that they might they think they might sound a bit silly if they're being upset about dumping someone else, but it's legitimate loss. It's okay to grieve a relationship that you obviously valued enough to keep going for two years. Um, I've broken up with someone before we dated for like two months. Like it wasn't even anything of interest and I felt so guilty. And you also live with this thing of it's a bit of like FOMO, right? Like you, or you live with this thing of, what if my reasons for dumping the person were too flippant? What if, you know, whether or not it's them making a mistake, whether or not it's a feeling, whether or not it's, um, I don't know, they're acting up and you're like, oh, like I just don't want to deal with this or you're too busy or your mental health is suffering. Whatever the case is, there's always going to be a part of you, unless it was like a ridiculously horrendous um, relationship or you just don't like them as a person anymore, they've changed it's going to be really, really difficult. Um, And I think you're also allowed to grieve the potential of the relationship. You're allowed to think, you know, I think a lot of people, I especially, I will project what I want out of my life onto the person that I'm dating. I will think, well, I've put two years into this person. I'm 25 and I thought I was going to marry him. So now I'm not only grieving the relationship that I did have, but the potential that that relationship had. And you think, should I just have stayed with that person? Because what if I end up alone and you kind of catastrophize and you think, well, was that the right decision? And I think at the end of the day, if you've gotten to a point where you're breaking up with someone, it's 90% of the time the right decision. And if it isn't, and if you are willing to be together again, it will happen again. You'll find your way back. And to be honest, every guy that I've broken up with and regretted it um, has either one of the guys is married now and I'm like, oh, God, thank God. And another one of the guys is back with his ex that he was dating before we, were date, we dated and it's like a, you know, it's it's not, I guess it's not as hard when you know that you weren't meant for each other. And I really hate this, like, I don't hate it. I try to avoid this, like, do-do-do-do-do-do language of, like, we're meant to be together and soulmates. But, like, some people, you genuinely aren't supposed to be with that person, not in a way of, like, fate or destiny, but in a way of, like, we just weren't the right fit. So, yeah, it's okay to grieve that and feel okay being the dumper. Sometimes it's harder than being the dumpy. Um, How to go about things if you, if you run into them. So I am a big believer my moral big saying in life is things are only awkward if you feel like they're awkward um because if you're into someone right and you're confident and you stand your ground not in an aggressive way but in just to like hey how are you and how are you going and you're a bit you're polite and you're nice and whether you're the dumpy or the dumper 
nothing bad can come of that. I think seeing the person, it sucks for both of you the first time, but it's just a reality. I'm assuming you live in like a small town or you have like a similar group of friends because my exes, I've never really seen them. I've seen a few, but only because I used to drink at the place I used to work at. So I'd be like, hi, (laughs) after work, hello. Um, But yeah, I think if you're into them, things are only awkward if you think they're awkward. And then finally, the final part of your question is how to slowly feel okay with dating again. Um, I think, oh God, dating after a breakup is so difficult. I am such a comparer and I'm such a like, yeah, like a FOMO person. I think, oh God, like this person treated me this way. This person was great in this way. Like it's hard to not compare. I think what I've learned from all of my mistakes, so learn through my mistakes style, is you don't need to find someone else straight away. Like it's okay to sit in your grief. In fact, it's probably healthier to sit in your grief. I'm such a person that I jump from man to man. Like I'll break up with someone and then I'll have a new guy that I'm seeing. I literally had not been single from when I was 17, like completely single, like not boyfriends, but like seeing someone, like having someone to occupy my time because of my low self-esteem that I used to have and my daddy issues and my abandonment issues and always needing someone to externally validate me. I was always seeing someone until very, very recently. Um, and once I became okay and confident enough in myself to be alone, it feels so good to be single. Um, when it comes to dating again, though, when you are ready, I think it just needs to be baby steps. And I also think there is some value in going on dates with people, even if you aren't a hundred percent sure, not even particularly because it's like, you never know, he might surprise you, but to get yourself into the practice of dating again and again and again. And if you do have any walls up, it can slowly break them down. If you get into the dating scene and when you do find the right person that you do want to have more than just one date with or one coffee with or whatever, then you can be ready for a relationship. You've kind of worked your way through it. Not that you're using other people, but you're kind of being like open to other things without any expectations. Because I think when you, try and find someone as soon as you're over with the other person, which it doesn't sound like you're doing, but I just, this is just a general advice. Then you put pressure on the people and you project. I put, I'm the worst of projection. I'm the worst. Of, I used to be actually not anymore, but I used to be like, okay, well, this is how my ex-boyfriend treated me. And I want all of those good parts, minus the bad parts, plus your good parts, but you can have no bad parts. And then we're going to get married and have kids and crazy, 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 crazy. But if you just take it for what it is, take the relationship for what it is and a relationship could be one coffee date, it could be a Tinder exchange, it could be whatever. I think particularly now it's probably a good time to be alone, not only physically for our health but I think right now there's a lot of time to self-evaluate and to think about what you actually want because – a lot of my friends as well, this is kind of coming back to settling that uh, Eleanor and I spoke about. A lot of my friends, a lot of women that I speak to or people that ask advice, um, they say, I'll ask them, what do you like about your partner? What do you like about the guy you're seeing? What do you like about your boyfriend? And they'll say, the first thing they say is, well, he treats me really well. 
And while that should be on the list of things that you like about someone, it should not be the first thing that comes out of your mouth. If the highest, sorry, if the quality highest, if the quality you admire most in the person that you're dating is how they make you feel, you're doing them a disservice and also yourself a disservice. You're not dating someone because you're passionate about how funny they are or how much you admire them or how passionate they are about their job or how intelligent they are, if they make you laugh or if you have great conversations. You're basically saying, all I need is for someone to treat me well and I'll feel okay. And I've seen a few friends and people that I know get stuck in relationships for years and be five into a relationship and I'll be like, what do you like about them? They'll just say, he's really nice. And while, yes, it's ingrained in us that it's hard to find a nice guy, sometimes what you need is someone to challenge you and someone to encourage you to be your best self, not someone to let you settle into yourself and into that relationship. Like the reason why I love ex-boyfriend that I love so much is because he challenges me so much. He makes me think about my views. He, he, you know, we have the best time together. And the thing that I value most is our time together and how much he makes me laugh and our conversations make me think about why I think things in the world are the way they are. Um, so I think it's important that when you do start dating again, don't do it just because you're like, well, this guy's nice enough because you're settling and you aren't doing yourself any justice or them. Like, Imagine if someone, if someone you were dating said about you, oh, she just treats me really well, hey. You'd be like, so there's nothing about me personally that you like. Um, that was a bit of a tangent, but I just think it's important to say and it's something that I really, really feel strongly about. I think it's kind of overlooked a lot as well when people are like, what, um, yeah, what do you like about the person? Um, that they're fucking funny, that they're hot, that the sex is bomb. Like saying that the sex is bomb is actually, in my eyes, a more legitimate thing to say than they treat me really well. You know, it's not really my thing. Well, um, okay. I'd love to hear your opinion on trust or lack thereof in relationships healthy relationships and boundaries and plucking up the courage to leave an unhealthy relationship or a relationship you know isn't good for you. Currently dealing with all these issues and my boyfriend and it feels so overwhelming. I love to hear your take on advice on all the tricky stuff that comes with being in and leaving a relationship. I also compare them to an ex, not necessarily how they look, but how your boyfriend, but how your boyfriend treated them versus you. Is it normal to feel weird that he spoiled and indulged his ex way more than he does for you oh girl I know this feeling all right I'm going to deconstruct this one this is the last question we're going to have um so let's go lack of trust in a relationship and boundaries so I think a lot of people say you know trust is the most important thing in a relationship it is really important but I think as you've said in your email having those boundaries in place first is what is the scaffolding for the trust so I would love to know 
if you think he's cheating on you or you don't trust him to support you because it's two very different things. You need to kind of set out what your expectations are in order for you to trust this person wholeheartedly. Um, but you've also said here that you want to pluck up the courage to leave an unhealthy relationship, which I think the fact that you're asking this question itself is a huge step. Um, but I would love to know more about your situation. If you live with him, obviously it's harder, particularly now. And it's something that I'm also worried about during COVID. It's been spoken about a lot, but the rate of murders and domestic violence is going to go up so fucking much during this pandemic. I think we're all aware of it. But if you're in an unhappy relationship right now and you're living with your partner, um, there's just such a higher chance of things turning extremely toxic and abusive physically, emotionally, mentally in such a short period of time. Um, I just, it really worries me. So I am going to answer this though, as though we aren't in COVID because everything's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Um, I think a huge thing when it comes to leaving an unhealthy relationship again is therapy. And I say it all the time and I kind of say it like a catch-all, but it's so true. Like unless you have a very strong support network around you, hopefully you do and you can lean on them. Um, the ways that I've kind of gotten over, over people in the past that have been unhealthy for me is through therapy because you have a third party there who isn't going to judge what you're saying, who also doesn't know the person personally. Like your friends are like, fuck him, he's an asshole. No, no, no. And I understand the feeling of being like, yeah, I know he isn't good for me, but I still love him and I still like want to be with him so badly. And it still like eats you up inside. As well, when you're in an unhealthy relationship, I don't know what kind of unhealthy this is. I'm assuming it's mainly the trust issues your self-esteem is lowered so much. So it's really difficult to leave that person because all you want, like all you crave is that person's validation. You just want that person to love you unconditionally and leaving them is a really hard thing to do because then you're, you're ruining any chance of them loving you wholeheartedly and treating you the way that you want to be treated, that you've wanted and craved this entire time to be treated. Um, but at the end of the day, you have to remember that's not going to happen. And if it does happen due to you leaving, you're allowed to be open to taking that person back, but you need to see tangible evidence of things changing. Now, I think you should leave this relationship. You're asking about unhealthy relationships, trust issues, boundaries, and even comparing yourself to his ex-girlfriend. Um, and not in looks. See, if it was in looks, I'd say, come on, baby, no, he's with you, he loves you. But in the way that he treats you versus treats her. I've had a really similar thing happen um, in which, you know, my an ex-boyfriend of mine, I never met his parents. Um, you know, we would never upload anything to Instagram and other girlfriends had that. I never got that from him at all. And it would fucking it still makes me so upset like I still cry about it in therapy because I'm like why wasn't I good enough to be shown to people and it comes down to a few things I think the main thing for me in my personal experience was that I allowed this behavior not saying that I deserved it not saying that I were not victim blaming myself if that's even a thing but I 
would let him get away with anything because I loved him so much. And I'd be like, you know what? If the if the price of admission that I have to pay, in the words of Dan Savage, if the price of admission that I have to pay is not getting these things that in reality aren't that important. Instagram can be convinced to not be that important, you know, uploading a photo, whatever. Then he's worth that sacrifice to me. But what happens when you do that is you set a precedent, you set a baseline that is below what you want. And then things getting lo- keep getting lower and lower and lower and lower and you push it down and you push yourself down and you push your self-esteem down and you accept the scraps and the crumbs of a relationship that you actually want. So that this could be something you've been doing because you love him so much and it's not your fault at all, but it could be that you've set you've set boundaries. Like I remember I asked my this ex once, I said, Why is it that she got this, this, and this and I didn't when after we broken up? And he was like, Well, she told me she'd leave me if she didn't get it. And I was like, Well, what if I told you that? And he was like, I probably would have done it, but we would have broken up the next week and then I would have gotten back with you. And it was such a unhealthy cycle. But he was like, you just never pushed boundaries. And this is a really bad conversation to be having with someone. It's not productive or healthy, but it was just like, wow. Like, because I was so empathetic and gave him so much slack and tried to be a good girlfriend and tried to be very understanding of his situation, I then completely fucked myself over essentially. So that could be to do with that. It also could be to do with, the way that he sees you and it's not to do with you as a person it's to do with the way that he's viewing you perhaps it's a weird time in his life where he's if he was younger obviously he was younger with this other girl that's how he thought relationships were supposed to be and now this is how he wants his relationships to be maybe he thought that he needed to treat someone and spoil someone with gifts and indulge her and maybe her love languages were more obviously gift giving and acts of service. Perhaps yours is a little bit different. Maybe he's realized that his love language is a little bit different. People evolve in their dating. People change the way they want to be in relationships. For example, I, even until six months ago, I was like, my love languages are quality time and uh, physical touch, 100%. I've realized in the past six months in being alone, not six months, few months in being alone, that I value acts of service. So now the way that I will approach relationships in the future is focusing on acts of service, getting acts of service, communicating that's what I want, as well as physical touch. And maybe quality time isn't as important to me as it anymore as I've just gotten older and I've just prioritized things in my life and my lifestyle has changed. Perhaps he didn't have as hectic of a job back then. And this is giving him the benefit of the doubt. But I want to steer away from you ever thinking that it's because you're shit or because you aren't as good as his ex-girlfriends. It's to do with him and his mindset. And I also like to think that a lot of the time, most of the time, people aren't acting maliciously in their relationships. Unless he's an inherently abusive person, I think it could be that he's unaware. I also want to ask you, oh God, I wish I had phone calls in this thing. I want to ask you, If you don't leave him, I think you should, but if you decide to not leave him, I want to ask you to just communicate these things to him in not an angry way, in a way that says, it hurts me when I think about your ex-girlfriend being treated like a queen and I don't feel that I get that in this way and bring 
a list in your head and say, uh, you got her this gift for her birthday. You, uh, drove her around. I don't know what examples are, but you won't know what I'm saying. Give him and say, it hurt me to get mad. Just say, this really hurt me. And this hurts me in our relationship. And it makes me feel like I am dot, 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 worthless. Like I am dot, 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 not as good as her. It makes me jealous. It makes me upset. And I want to know what the reasoning behind it is. If he can give you an, ins- an answer and it's insufficient, break up with him. But if there's a legitimate answer such as, listen, like I don't prioritize that anymore. I'm older. Or my job, I had, I worked it in retail then and now I have an investment banking job or something, you know, like a much different working environment and stress level. Perhaps that could be a factor. I think it's really easy to compare ourselves to other women because we've been taught to since we were born to compare ourselves to other women. But I think in this case, it isn't about you or the other girl. It's about him. It's about him unless you've let him walk all over you, which I do. And it's not about you letting him. I shouldn't say that. Sorry, I want to reword that. Unless you've set a baseline, set an expectation that's lower than what you actually want and you've copped things and you've tried to be empathetic, you've tried to be understanding, you've tried your hardest and it, he's taken advantage of that. We need to figure out which one of those two things it is. So I've actually got a little bit more time than I thought I did. So I'm just going to answer one more question. I'm just going to go into my emails. So this one is something that I think a lot of people may struggle with. Um, so let's do it. There's this guy that at first I really liked, but then I decided he was very toxic, but thought we could have just had a casual thing, except now he doesn't want to. He thinks we're better off as friends, and now I'm left feeling really self-conscious because sex isn't a thing for guys, like not much would stop them. So why is he not going for it? And can we really be friends if I see him in a sexual way, or should I block him and move on? Okay, so... Okay, so let's go – let's start with the sex isn't a thing for guys. Not much would stop them. That is completely false. Stop – I think we need to stop categorizing men and women as women being, oh, women – this age-old thing of women fake enjoying sex to get love and men fake enjoying love to get sex. It's it's bullshit. It's bullshit. We're all humans – we may be um, conditioned in certain ways to enjoy things a bit more than others and people may hide things better, but everyone has their own individual libido and their own individual sex drive. Women have equally as high sex drive as men. Um, I think what it comes down to though is a lot of women think that having sex with a man because of the way we're conditioned and the way that society views us is the highest form of validation. So it comes across as men want sex and that's all they'll use you for and that's all you, that's all they want and that's all women want and it's actually just that society kind of forces us into this corner of, well, if he's going to fuck you, that's the peak of what you can get, if that makes sense. So he thinks you're better as friends now. I mean, you, here's the thing. He's saying to you, he thinks you're better as friends. Whether that's because he doesn't want to have sex with you anymore or because he doesn't have feelings to you anymore. Um, either way, 
he's not consenting to a sexual relationship and he's not consenting to a casual thing. He may genuinely think you're better as friends, but it's probably just that he's worried that you have feelings for him and he doesn't want to hurt you. Um, I think that a lot of the time when it comes to things like, I just think you're better off as friends or I'm not ready for this right now. They're obviously just, he's just not that into you um, statements. And that's okay. It's, I, it's, I think it's actually the kind of thing to do is tell a little white lie and say, listen, he just is, oh, I just, I don't think we should be anything more than friends rather than how hurt would you be if he said, I just don't find you physically attractive or I like someone else more than you, I'm going to pursue that. I think that while that's the honest truth, you can go about things in a certain way in which they, you know, you tell something with the same outcome without hurting the person as much as possible. Um, if you aren't dating, obviously. Um, so why is he not going for it? He's not going for it because he doesn't want to. And that should be the end of it. I think we need to stop trying to analyze men's actions as women and saying, well, what can I do to win him back? What can I do to get his validation? Because obviously you're seeking his external validation and you're trying to get it through sex. I've done the exact same thing where I think if I can just fuck him, then I've won. Or if I, if I can just fuck him, then that proves my worth. This is when I was 19 or 18, but that's how I thought. Um, I don't think you should block him either. I think you should just try and be his mate. If you, if you value him as a person, if you don't like him as a person, like if you literally are like, I want to have sex with you casually and that's it, then don't block him. Just be like, yeah, cool. And just slowly like fizzle out. But if you, if you like him as a person, you know, that's fine. Be friends with him. But if you have feelings for him, I think it's best you cut him out because it's very clear that he doesn't feel the same way for you and that sucks, but it's okay because you'd rather not waste your time on someone that doesn't have feelings for you than waste all this time being in the dark and being confused and being like, oh, we're having sex. It's a casual thing. Are we together? Are we not? And then a year later he's like, oh, I never said that I liked you. You know, this man's actually doing you a favor by saying, I don't want anything more than just friends. I think it's better for both of us. Whether read between the lines he's saying, I don't like you or he genuinely wants to be your friend. I mean, it's kind of by the by, like it doesn't matter which one because the outcome is the same. You aren't going to sleep together. And I don't mean to be harsh here, but it's a good thing. It's great. When people break up with me now, it sucks. Obviously it's, I'm not saying you should just take everything as a blessing. Like, no, but after a little while you realize that why would I want to be with someone that doesn't want to be with me? That is such a mantra. Like why would I bother putting energy into someone who isn't initially enamored by me? Like, yes, you can chase a bit. Yes, you can, you know, put an effort into things. Absolutely. But when someone gives you a clear indication of I'm not interested, then it's time to like go and be like, thank you so much. Marie Kondo, that shit. Thank you. Thank you. Do you spark joy? No, you don't spark joy for me anymore because you make me feel bad about myself. So I think the answer is if you actually want to be his friend, be his friend. If you have feelings for him, don't block him. Just don't talk to him. Just try not to talk to him. If he speaks to you, just be like, listen, I have feelings for you and I actually just need a little bit of time. Just be honest. I think there's way too much game playing going on, um, particularly in your early 20s and late teens where you go, oh, you know, if he wants to talk to me, he'll talk to me and – 
you know, what if, what if, um, he must just mean he means this, not just men, but I think humans in general say what they want to say and say what they mean. If someone's messaging you saying, do you want to hang out tonight? They want to hang out tonight. If someone's not ready your messages for four days, they don't want to talk to you. It's as simple as that. So that's the end of the first episode, guys. The first solo episode, sorry. I will have a guest on next week. I know this is a little bit of like a change to the program. I'm not sure if – I don't feel great about this episode. I don't know. I don't feel very confident in it. So I'm sorry if it was a bit not as entertaining as usual. I just am really trying to figure out how I'm going to get guests on. Um so I've bought myself a little bit of time and I have a few episodes um, that I've pre-recorded before coronavirus. So I'm very lucky that I did that. But yeah, I'm going to sort some remote recording out. That's very hard to do actually. I thought it was easy. It's not. Um, and I have a really, really special person coming on soon that I'm so excited about, but I need to keep under wraps. Um, I think it'll just be a really interesting episode so, yeah, thank you guys for listening. I'm going to go finish a wine. I'm going to go wash my red lipstick off because it was a mistake. My lips are cracking, but stay safe and I'll talk to you guys next week. Mwah.